get your toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it. Believe me. Until I get your toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. hear anything? Oh, good. Because <laughs> I just queefed big time. What up? Welcome back to Uncle Rod's Story Corner. Hope you're feeling good. Hope you're looking good. Hope you're smelling good. Uh, your boy is fresh off the toilet. Taking some residual leftover dumpage from the milk of magnesia I had last night, so I might not be at my freshest, but I did hit myself with the old Duder wipes, mint chill. So maybe, you know. Um, I've got a very special episode in store right now. Uh, one of my best friends is on the show today, uh, a guy who. Helped me out when I was starting out on this comedy journey, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed these almost 15 years of friendship now. Please give a warm welcome and a hearty tune-in to this episode featuring my good friend, J. Michael motherfucking McCall. Right, folks welcome back to uncle rod's story corner it is time for your comedian guest your main guest we've got a super special guest on the show this man uh composes one third of the triumvirate that is the reason i do stand-up comedy um when i started doing stand-up uh it was at his open mic where i did comedy for the first time he uh, welcomed me in with open arms, and he gave me a lot of advice and a lot of opportunities, took me under his wing, became one of my best friends, and um, basically just showed me that if I wanted to be successful in comedy and maintain a career and all the different idiosyncrasies that go on on stage and off stage to, to survive in this comedy world, just do the opposite of everything he's doing. That's right. Uh, he's he's a he's a married father now. <laughs> he slipped into semi-retirement. Went from hating the improv crowd to joining the improv crowd. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage. And then leaving it, of course. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was well, the first you know, thing to drop. Semi-retired from everything. When the wife got <laughs> pregnant, that was that was the first uh, bit of time that I reclaimed. 
please please welcome uh, my mentor, <laughs> my brother his in anti, Christ, his anti mentor, <laughs> my good friend, my George Costanza, if you will. Wow. <laughs> the Steel City Poonhound, the Monday Night Delight, Mr. J. Michael McCall. Mike! Glad to be here, and, and you're welcome, world, for <laughs> unleashing uh, this man uh, into the uh, comedy world. You know, my first podcast experience, Mike and I used to do a podcast That's together. right. It's weird being on the other side Back now. in 2011. On Kamikaze Radio. And now I've gone solo. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Sting. I left the police. I right. don't know what happened to those other guys, but I'm out here thriving. <laughs> more like Loggins and Messina. And uh, I'm Messina. So what's up, man? Welcome to the story corner. Are you excited? I'm I'm excited just to be out of the house. <laughs> that's that's the most excitement for me. I guess. Yeah, you did fall into like the traditional got married role of just that's right. like your life went from yeah, I go do comedy shows and I go see well, here's, comedians here's I know and love thing, in you person know, well, and hang out and now you're just like calling people like every seven months you'll just shoot a text out like, Hey, what you guys doing tonight? I'm gonna be at this bar for like forty minutes, come through. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you gotta take advantage of that time when it when it pops up. Here's the thing, when I got married, uh, neither one of us anticipating becoming parents. Um, we got married a little later in life and, and we just thought, well, I guess that just won't happen because we're too old. And uh, guess what? We were not. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I love, uh, like, especially now. Now he's five years old now, and he's, like, funny. Like, he's funnier than I am. He's naturally funny. <laughs> and he'll tell me jokes, and uh, they're, they're, like, all non sequiturs. But he plays with the form, which I appreciate. I'll give you an example. He, he said, uh, <laughs> why did the gorilla jump in the toilet? Because he was hungry. <laughs> now, see, I, it makes no sense, but it's, it's funny. And he like he wait, he waited a beat. Like I was so proud. Like, <laughs> like the writing's not there. He's got yeah. everything else. But he's though. got he's you know he's got the setup and the punchline and he's he, got the and timing. The timing is impeccable. <laughs> and he's uh, yeah, he's, you can have like conversations with him, and they're weird conversations, but they're fun. You know, so it's. Finally, at a good a, a good place <laughs> with that. Well, I'm glad you were able to escape for a little while. And That's get right. Out to the show tonight. That's right. Well, you know, it it took some planning, uh, which I'm not. I've never been a good planner. You probably don't know that about me. Everything just sort of uh, just sort of go with the flow, you know. So do you do you miss it? Do you miss? No, stand-up? not at all. I really don't. And uh, everyone everyone asks me that. And I'm like, no, I like I get love at home uh, from my wife and child. I I don't need the approval uh, any longer. So you're you're the, the you're the traditional. Like I'm content. Like I don't need <laughs> what I was looking for from mm-hmm. strangers anymore. Right. You're, I you're have the, that. You're the typical normal nerdy, not good with women. You know, got into. Well, look, you don't get a got into You don't get a nickname like the Steel City Poon out for being bad with women. <laughs> Was I bad at relationships? Uh, absolutely. No, 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 you could get pussy, but you were terrible with women. <laughs> there you go. It was a lot of it was a lot of one night stands, but not on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, like you would some have people, liked to have seen her the next some day. Some people she was like, can't handle me for more than twenty four hours. 
and you know it's <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself in therapy and you learn that uh you know that maybe you were kind of hard to deal with <laughs> and that's okay yeah so you took that route you you, you were nerdy no women, you know. Not, I don't. Again, not dating, I don't. Dating, <laughs> I don't feel like that's accurate. And sucking and fucking in high school. <laughs> well, not in high school. No, so, I was working on it. So you got I was it. a late. I was a late bloomer. All right. So you just became a nerd, and again, I don't think I was it. ever <laughs> yeah. a nerd. Well, you had all the nerdy shit except for like the the grades. Well, there you go. <laughs> you didn't like. You weren't a Poindexter. Right, right, yeah. I, just, like, I, felt, I didn't have like a pocket. You were like Ogre when he. Okay, when no, he, I when, don't think I was. When like Ogre, Ogre transferred over to the nerds, he was just like, "Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm dumb, but I'm yeah, I'm a geek now." Mm. <laughs> I, I feel like I was more Anthony Edwards' character, if, if anybody. You, you, you got that. You grew up. You got into comedy. You started seeking that love and validation. There was like a whole decade you just missed. But you were doing that, okay. and then you know, and then you found love and stopped being funny. <laughs> I don't think I ever stopped being. I'm, just, I'm, I'm still. You I'm just still completely. Funny. You just, but instead of just like, it's just I have a very small private audience. Yeah, like instead of most comedians who like are nerds and then achieve so much in comedy are super funny, and then they finally get married, and now. They're just talking about their wife and their kid and boring everybody to death. You just decided to not come back to the stage. Well, no one wants to hear. Who wants to hear that? Nobody. Yes, does. Especially, I mean, I appreciate you doing that. I mean, look, the, the people <laughs> that come out to shows are not people my age, right? Who would probably be amused by some of that stuff. But twenty somethings, they don't want to hear about you know middle age problems. They don't want to hear about you know they don't want to hear about uh, wife and kids and marriage counseling and hemorrhoids. They don't want to hear about any of that stuff. That's that's real life. You know, so I'm sparing the world having to hear from that. Yeah, we appreciate know? it. Thank I, you. I, it's, it's one of my least favorite things that happens is when my some of my favorite comedians go out and they spend 20 years talking about how their lack of pussy and yeah, sleeping with like two and a half girls a year through their 20s and 30s, <laughs> and then they get married and it's just like my wife. My kid, it's just like get back to the jokes, man. God damn, though. you you're not fighting that you get pussy. <laughs> right, I mean, I'm with you on that. Like I totally agree with your theory here. That's why, and my wife's always like, "You need to go do comedy. It, it, you could talk about this." I'm like, "No, I, I don't think you get it." You know, and I don't want to be mean and say that, but that's what I'm thinking. Is like yeah. it. I don't want to be that guy. That's cruise ship comedy. Yeah, it's worse if, than if that. Be, it's sub If you're going to be the mom, if you're going to be like the I'm a dad and I'm a husband comedian, then that shit isn't for like normal comedy shows. That is for like corporate ass, you know, somebody who owns a nurse staffing agency is throwing a I remember this is what my wife, my wife said. She like, you could do, you could do like Christian comedy. I'm like, no. Or <laughs> church comedy. I'm like, did you ever hear my stand up? <laughs> I don't think I can make that transition, nor would I want to. Would it be lucrative? Yeah. But would I hate myself? <laughs> yes. Probably. You'd be like one of those kid performers. <laughs> like, the, like, when, like, the, like when the guy who's Barney is like a fucking craghead fucking alcoholic. But he's, every day he's turning that shit off for the children and then just goes in his dress room and gets Fucked. He's so bleary. Right. What was it? Rainbow Randolph from <laughs> Death to Smoochie. 
Yeah, I don't want to be Rainbow Randolph or uh, Danny McBride from the Righteous Gemstones. I just want to, I just want to be me. And look, I'm, I'm actually, you know, considering, you know, getting a five minutes back up. But it's going to be like material. It's not going to be talking about, hey, my son did this the other day. Isn't that great? And, Here's something funny my wife did. Yeah, no one, I don't think really anybody wants to hear All that. those people on Perks and Ecstasy are like, what the fuck is he talking about? Right. You know, the, the people that are, you know, down the K-hole and, and tripping on ass, which is about 40% of stand-up audiences, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear about the time you were doing that. Uh, Speaking of the time you we were could doing tell, that. We could tell some stories. One, like of, one of my most treasured memories in... Both our friendship and my comedy career is the night <laughs> you dropped acid for the first time in a long time and lost yourself in this universe. <laughs> okay, well, it, it wasn't. A, here, here's what happened, and it wasn't the fact that I had just done it for the first time in a long time. Uh, I took like four hits. <laughs> and you took a heroic dose of acid. <laughs> I took a, stu- a stupid dose of acid. And uh, rumor is, not like it's not like you go to school for this kind of stuff. But rumor was always was you can't fall asleep on acid. Uh, let me refute that. You can. And here's what happens when you wake up: you are a blank slate, a tabula rasa, if you will. And uh, I'm, this is a comedy house, which is if you want to fill them in on comedy house. You yeah, I'll, I'll fill them in because I, I want you to take it from the because we left you alone. I want you to take it from there as you should have, and then we'll fill in the blanks together later. So uh, we used to do a Monday night open mic at the Barking Kudu. Uh, That's right. Shout out to the Kudu, and it was like it was a block away from the comedy house where a bunch of comics lived together. That's right, on 29th Street. In a bar district in, in Birmingham. In Lakeview. So, Mike is on hella acid. That's right. It's like an hour before That's the right. show. Here's how, like, this is, the show was at 8, this was at like 5 o'clock. Yeah. It's, it's before so, the show. So I decided, I was, I, I took the four hits, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go for a job. <laughs> Which is, again, very uncharacteristic to <laughs> me. And about two blocks into this jog, it started to, I was like, I better get back to the house. And uh, so I, I went into my room and put, up, put some music on and just lay down on the bed for a second and I was out. And, and then I, I come to, again, a blank slate. I don't know what's ha- I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I don't know what time is. Not, not that I don't know what time it is. I don't know what time is. And uh, so my idiotic roommates were downstairs playing some sort of role-playing game (laughs) and they start reading the rules out and i hear them through the air vents and in my mind i've tapped into whatever this place is i'm like well i guess these are the rules (laughs) i better pay attention this is the social contract in this (laughs) civilization (laughs) that's right in this universe this is how it works and uh so yeah i'm having a i'm having a time you know uh not so, to mention, it has to be weird for you because your bedroom in that house used to be a child's room, apparently. Probably because your ceiling fan was like rainbow colored. I don't, rec- I don't really recall that, but <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word you for it. A child's ceiling fan. In your room. Well, this was like an old dilapidated mansion <laughs> from like the eighteen. From the eighteen, right? That's right. <laughs> I assume someone died of consumption in that room, and uh, their spirit lingered. 
so I wander down there to find what's going on, and, and our, our good friend Mario was like, hey, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I don't know, man. You know? And he's like, well, hey, we got to go do this show. And I'm like, well, I, can't, I clearly can't uh, in this in this state. No. You know? So I'm going to go back upstairs. No, you went upstairs. And, and then I just started freaking out, and I just started, like, taking my clothes off because <laughs> I was freaking out. And then everyone left. Everyone left the house to go to the show. Yeah. And I'm just naked and freaking <laughs> up in my room. Yeah, we walked and down I, the hill. Like, yeah, Mike's going to have to sleep it off. He's on uh, a lot of acid. He's agreed to not come to the show. Somebody else is going to host, and uh, we'll we'll see Mike later. And we're gone. That's right. Y'all, everyone leaves, and and thankfully, one good friend, Joe Rains, decides to come check on me. And he shows up, and and I'm upstairs, like you know, he's like, "Whoa, what's you know, what's going on?" And I, I try to explain that I've been gone for ten thousand years. And which is what I was thinking. Of, was in a desert or I, who the hell knows? And 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 I'm like, I took a bunch of acid, and I think he thought like acid from chemistry class because he's like, let's get a base in you, and so he made me like chug some, some milk. milk. <laughs> right? Yeah, like a gallon of milk, and uh, then we like smoked a joint to sort of, I mean, that sort of did sort of ground me a little bit, you know. So he was like, well, look, the show has started. We got You've got to get down there. Because he doesn't know that I've already abdicated uh, hosting the show that night. But he has convinced me that it's life or death and I have to be there. So <laughs> we get down there and, you know, I'm still just, you know, a space case. I just remember being on stage hosting. And the surprise of the night. Is you walking? Well, I up remember. The block. I, see, as I recall, it three brain was on stage and as I wa- I was trying to sneak in so no like, one would see what me. What the fuck is Mike? And then, and then, and then three three brain was like, "Hey, Mike McCausey," and I about like my skeleton about jumped out of my skin. So I thought, well, you better go to the bar and do some whiskey shots because that's a sane thing to do, right? I'm like, the whiskey will bring me back to planet Earth. And uh, and then people kept coming up and trying to talk to me whilst I was trying to ground myself. Well, you couldn't remember who you were. Not working. Well, it started slowly. You were a solid blank slate in that bar. That's right. People were talking to you, and you were sitting there looking like, "Please stop talking to me. I don't know who you are. What are you trying to do to me?" And then I did a set. <laughs> As I, after all that, after all that, I got up and did a set. I think it went out. Went okay. You were just telling us about how fucked up you were and how you didn't know your name. That's right. And you don't know what you're doing here. And see, and that's what I feel comedy people, that's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear, again, they don't want to hear about the wife and son. They want to, they want to live vicariously through you. And nobody wants to hear about what's happening in the suburbs. And no 20-something wants to live a, 40, a mid-40-something vicariousness. You know what I mean? They want to hear about you in your room how as it butt naked clutching swim trunks. That's right. <laughs> like oh, yeah, that's the last true. copy of the U.S. Constitution. Well, I found the swim trunks and I, in my brain I'm like, this means something. <laughs> like I was trying to unlock the mystery of who I am. So it's, it's like you do in a video game. You go, you pick up items and you're like, this must ha- have some significance. And the swim, because they were my swim trunks. But I'm like, this, this means something. <laughs> And uh, 
also clutched like a rosary my <laughs> mother had given me. You never stop being which, Catholic, which buddy. Never you stop. Never you never stop. stop. <laughs> and it is one of the things that brought me, you know, because I was like, I better say a quick, I said quick Hail Mary to bring me back from this hell dimension I've uh, cast myself into. So it, it worked. That was the beginning of my process of going back to the church. But that's another story for another time that no one wants to hear. Not on this podcast. Well, you know, that, that is, you know, that's a better story. Even the other stories are funny, but that's the funniest one. My second favorite, you on hallucinogens, has to be you standing in the yard trying to get abducted by aliens. Well, that happened. Just about almost happened. Um, now, this wasn't acid. This was, this was a, after I took what author Terrence McKenna referred to as a heroic yeah, dose of mushrooms. Uh, five dried grams. Um, which we, well, first we went to get, we went to Tuscaloosa. It's about 45 minutes from Roll Birmingham. Uh, to get these shrooms. And uh, while we were there, uh, Bruno had just opened. So we decided we'd take some shrooms and watch Bruno while we were there. Uh, Joe Raines and I. The aforementioned Joe Raines. <laughs> You're and, and so that was... Yeah, that's right. So we watched that. And then I think the next night, we came back. Uh, I was living in Irondale. And... Um, was taking that, and I think I'd watched like 2001 or something. <laughs> like you do. A Space Odyssey. A Space Odyssey, which actually... Bruno, the first... all of my 2001 and Space Odyssey on fucking troops. That's right. Uh, it actually made sense for the first time, that movie. Uh, that's the secret to Kubrick. You that's right. You've got to, to be get super... I really do. I have a theory that you do have to be on the same drugs as someone was on while they were making a piece of art to truly get the meaning of that piece of art. Uh, it's just a theory I have. And uh, so anyway, uh, everyone fell asleep and I was you know, still awake. So I decided, well, I'm going to go look at the stars. And I was like, hey, if there's any aliens listening, why don't you come down here and pick me up? And uh, I'm sitting there just staring at the sky. I swear, I swear to you, I see this like star and it starts moving closer and closer and closer. And it gets to where it's like maybe 50 or 60, you know, feet above the trees. And I, and they're, they're like, do you want to go for it? I'm like, fuck no, I don't. I do not want to go. This is horrifying. I'm going back inside. And I went back. I don't remember what happened the rest of the night. Uh, but when I woke up <laughs> for breakfast the next day. Uh, one of my roommates was like, hey, did you know you were, like, standing in the yard for, like, five hours last night? I was like, oh, no, I was, I was on some shrooms. So, it's funny to have, like, uh, you know, like, non-druggy roommates when you're in that phase. You know, it keeps you grounded. Oh, yeah. No, nothing propels you forward in life like being the roommate of somebody who's doing so many drugs. I might just say, if there are any kids listening, uh, don't do drugs. Uh, you know, to quote Bill Hicks, uh, I had some good times on drugs. But, you know, I don't really recommend it. Uh, and there's some doors uh, that are open that are really hard to shut once you've done some stuff like that. But, you know, I wouldn't trade these experiences. They, they were interesting times, you know. I uh, squeed, you know, pried open my third eye. 
<laughs> and uh, took a crack at look at the universe, and it stared back, and I decided I didn't want to look at it anymore. <laughs> you had that opportunity. You turned it down in the yard that night. That's right. They they showed up. They showed up. They say, we will take you. We will, we we will, will show you. you all the mysteries. Of and the I was universe. like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> you like, you know, I thought I wanted to go. <laughs> Sorry for calling you guys right. over here. Sorry, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know Thanks. how far you had to come, but yeah, yeah. I, to, I changed my mind. It came real fast, so I don't <laughs> imagine it would take you too much longer to leave. But thanks, but no thanks. Uh, another time, uh, a couple more times. Uh, uh, once Joe Raines and I dropped acid and went to the Bass Pro Shop <laughs> out in uh, Leeds, Alabama. And that's a good time. Um, <laughs> We're going through there, having a good time, laughing, and all the things. And then, um, for, I don't know how we came across it, but there was a, a camouflage hunter's Bible, <laughs> and Joe showed, and I just I couldn't stop laughing, you know, just like it was just so absurd to me. Like, why would it need to be camouflaged? Yeah, anyway, it's just so many questions. Because the light of the Lord shines so bright, you can't let these animals see that. It, it, you hiding under a bushel? I say no. You gotta let that bad boy shine. You're gonna scare those ten point bucks if they see the light of. They, Jesus. they might see the glint off the gold lettering that says Holy Bible on the front. So you're gonna need to camouflage that if you're if you're getting some uh, getting your uh, Bible reading in while you're out there waiting on a, a ten point uh, buck. Anyway, absurd, so I started laughing. And, and laughing that kind of druggy laugh where you start getting worried that everyone's going to know you're on drugs by the way you're laughing. So you're you start, trying to stop you start laughing, getting paranoid. Even harder. And uh, so we decided to go for And then Joe sees the fish in the tank and he goes, I'm going to rescue these fish. And I go, I think it's time to go. Uh, so <laughs> got in my car. Again, you shouldn't do this while driving. Do not take hallucinogens and drive. But I managed to go to a friend of mine's house that lived not too far from there. I go in there, and he's cleaning this little Derringer pistol. And and we're there for like maybe five minutes. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm cleaning my grandfather's gun. And I go, oh, was your grandfather an Old West prostitute? And then he threw us out of his house. And by this time, the acid's really kicked in. And so I'm like, well, now I've got to drive back to my, you know. So here's the trick. Pick the middle road. If the road starts, multiple roads open in front of you, stick with the middle one. That's probably the real road. And it was. We made it back to my house. We were safe. So. And uh, one more time, he and I, I can't remember. I think it was Shrooms, and we went to a Walmart in Irontel. And uh, that's always a, a crazy, <laughs> crazy time anyway. Uh, but uh, we went to, I think it was the Circle K, like right across the street, just to get some, sna- you know, some drug snacks. <laughs> and uh, we, we got in there, and there was some sort of, uh, I can't remember what, but some sort of morbidly obese woman in way too tight clothing <laughs> was in there just running her mouth about some insane thing. And... Uh, she finally leaves, and the clerk goes, "It's for real, a full moon tonight, y'all." And I, I just just started with that drug laughter, and I'm like, "We gotta leave." <laughs> they're gonna know, and they're gonna call the cops, and it's all gonna go south. So let's go. So yeah, don't maybe do them, don't do them. I don't know. You're, you're your own boss. Don't listen to me. But these were some of the experiences. 
I had on them. And I think I think I was late to the game <laughs> at Hallucin. Like, I didn't do them in high school or college. Mm-hmm. It was, like, uh, my early 30s. So maybe don't wait that long if you're going to. I don't know. Yeah. You don't want to hit a fully formed brain with that. You want no. To, again. You want to do it while your brain's still soft and fleshy. That's right. When you're still when trying to. When it's young and impressionable. That's right. There's areas that haven't been messed with. It. Now you want to activate those. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to jumpstart the part of your brain that's only concerned with socks because it's going to be on some other shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I can remember the first time I ever took acid and went to Bailey's Pub. Ooh. And I was, you know, like, we had sat around for like two hours and like nothing had happened. I'm like, we got, we got gypped. Come on, let's go to a bar. At least we can get drunk. And then we get to the bar and then it's like, kaboom. <laughs> like, the doors of perception were ripped wide open. Through and the door like a I, young bread dough. <laughs> and I can remember looking at people and like, you could see that like, their outside, like their real face, but then you could see their inside face. Like, so they're like pretending to be like in this conversation, but their real face was like <laughs> bored or <laughs> was seen like through people into their true emotions and motivations, and it was overwhelming. Uh, and I was playing in a band at the time, so I went, my guitarist, like he had a house not too far from there, so we walked over there and uh, we got there, and he had this like, you ever seen like the cover of a tool album? Mm hmm. Yeah, like a book of art by that guy. So I just stayed there for like three hours <laughs> until it went away. And then uh, like drove home, just sat in my room listening to, God, I think it was like Massive Attack or something to just relax. I don't know. It was weird. It was a weird time. Weird time in my life. Son, if you find this on the internet in the future, uh, don't do drugs. Bash. Stay away from Stay away. That's right. <laughs> don't go in. Don't go into that Wonder Woman lunchbox <laughs> in the basement. That's all I have. <laughs> those aren't those aren't Haribo gummies. That's all I'll say. Oh man! So is what? What, what was your drug? Was that your drug of choice? Your hallucinogen man in your younger I, days? I, I mean, if, for a while, and then um, I don't know. I just I had a bad time at at that that aforementioned open mic experience. <laughs> the first one that was pretty much it for me. That was the last time I did it. And uh, then I can remember like I'm sorry, there are impressionable children walking by. So you know, wait till they're out of earshot. Uh, Hugs, not drugs. That's right. They still do dare in the schools. I don't know. So. I think we were at, at Comedy House, and we were watching Zombieland, and I was high on uh, on the marijuana. And uh, like the, during the Bill Murray scene, where, uh, spoiler alert, where Bill Murray dies, I heard this voice in my head go, you're going to die. And I freaked the fuck out. And I was like, well, I guess I'm done with drugs. I like that just like... Because for, for like a couple of times, I tried a couple of times after that. Each time I would just start thinking about death and <laughs> eternity and annihilation. And I was like, fuck this. Like, this is not fun. This is not what I signed up for with drugs. I, like, to me, like, the, like, like, just getting high, eating a bag of Doritos and watching a comedy film. Like, that's what I signed up for. Not, uh, 
<laughs> not uh, contemplation of existence, you know. That was not. And so I decided, you know what, I think I'm done with drugs. <laughs> like, I didn't have to go to rehab. I didn't do... Just, nope, I'm done. You lucked out, man. Well, in a way. <laughs> but then I had to deal with all that existentialism uh, sober. <laughs> and uh, that takes a while. <laughs> Nothing a couple of Jamaican meat pies can't fix. <laughs> That's right. Or those little frozen... Uh, drinks you get at Walmart. <laughs> Jamaican breeze. A couple of those will help too. Yeah. Maybe a hurricane. Yeah, deep down inside you're just a man from Kingston, Jamaica. That's right. Probably one of those past lives I learned about during some of those drugs. <laughs> That's it. That's what it was. The night I've you always, know, those I always trucks. It was reminding you of the beach because <laughs> ten thousand years before I you was were just around Kingston, Jamaica. Clearly, I've been in Babylon for too long. <laughs> I've always, I've long suspected I was a black Rastafarian militant in a white man's body. <laughs> Which is, this is clearly the, uh, the Rastafarian's hell. It's being. <laughs> A suburban middle-aged suburban white man. white Catholic man. That's right. In Alabama. That's right. <laughs> Clearly did something wrong. Ja is not pleased with <laughs> he, he was, I must. I must have, like, squelched a slave rebellion or something. I must have done something bad. <laughs> like, uh, fellas, let's not, okay? He's been real good to us. Why would we want to do this to Master? <laughs> I was like the Stephen from what is his name in um, <laughs> Django Unchained. Samuel Jackson's character. Yeah, I don't know what his name was. I think it was. Steve. <laughs> I don't think it was Stephen. I think it was. <laughs> look at look at. I'm pretty sure it was Steve. I don't know why I think that, but I feel like it was. <laughs> We're taking a break while he looks it up on his fucking Steven. <laughs> Which is it? His name was Steven. <laughs> See, there you go. I was right. Steven. Maybe because subconsciously that was my favorite character. In the- <laughs> this goes back to why. It's all it's all coming together now. Another connection. That's like, right. That was me. Thank you. Truth, to me. The truth is being revealed. That here. was me in Jamaica. <laughs> right now. In 1786. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> uh, comedy is very hellish. So I mean, there's it, this could be we could be honest. <laughs> I, I want to see you get back out there, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I still have ideas for material. But again, I'm not like living that lifestyle where I'm out there on the uh-huh. edge, because I think that's you know what again people live vicariously through the comedian and right. you know and you're doing what they're doing so you yeah have nothing they, no, to offer exactly them. exactly it's just like yeah I went to Home Depot like I don't want to hear that shit I was at Home Depot that's right we were both at home. <laughs> I saw you there you waved at me <laughs> like I like I saw like the other day I was uh, like at a, a park with my son and then saw somebody used to come see me do comedy with their son I'm like this isn't appropriate <laughs> for them to see me this way. I don't want this to be their <laughs> look behind the curtain. lingering memory. Right. <laughs> like like, like this is my private life. Sad shell of a Like I don't want to talk. Like this is like my wife is like, well, you could talk. I'm like, I don't want to talk about you on stage or my, like that's private. That is my private life. 
y'all are sacred to me, and I don't want to <laughs> s- subject y'all uh, to anything in public. All right. You know? Yeah. And it was a little easier, you know, when Trump was president. At least you could talk about that, you know? And you talk about, like, you know, I guess I could talk about Biden, but I mean, it's kind of boring. You can get her to stop saying that. If you Just bring her to a show and then tell a story about her. And she just hears one drunk audience member come up to you after the set, like, man, your wife sounds like a real bitch. She won't want you to talk about her on stage ever again. And I don't want to have to do that. You know? like, like, marriage, marriage is hard enough without adding all that to it. You know? Like, you don't need to add any of that. You just got to make it through. <laughs> So I don't know. I need a new. I gotta come up with an angle or a character, which I don't know about that either. I don't want to be like, be like Dan Whitney and then Larry the Cable Guy, and then like I become successful being this character I hate. (laughs) That's my favorite thing about Larry the Cable Guy is that his audience doesn't realize he is making fun of them to their faces at like eighty bucks a ticket. Like, they loved it. They're like, look, finally, one of us is in the mainstream. And, like, this dude is named Dan Whitney. And he cut the sleeves off that shirt to perform in. You always just don't have sleeves. That dude is making fun of you, and you're making him rich. That's right. Like, just like Jeff Foxworth. This whole thing was, like, talking about rednecks. Like, this dude he was, was like, an, working he was like, like, an, like an, an IBM engineer right. in Atlanta. <laughs> He didn't live in the middle of nowhere in Georgia in a trailer. He's making fun of his relatives, which is just like you. He's making fun of all of you, laughing to the that's bank. Right. Now, I thought about, like, during the <laughs> pandemic, because um, that this um, that Gutfeld show came out on Fox. And, it <laughs> and they like, solicited for writers. And they were soliciting the for writers. <laughs> and I thought it's just for the comedic challenge, you know, because how difficult that would be to write I mean, conservative comedy is an oxymoron anyway. They can't do art. Conservatives can't make good no, art. No, absolutely not. But that's that's the weird thing. That, so, and that, That's what's funny about it being a challenge, is that it is a challenge, but it's not a challenge in the usual way. Like, it's not an obstacle to being funny. Right. The it challenge is, <laughs> but you, you a... need to make no effort. So the <laughs> challenge is, how much can your soul take you bombing on purpose and it killing? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And I came to the realization I could not do it at all for any amount of money. Because that's so the all thought, the thought, the thought is, is just write, tell the worst jokes, and not because they're offensive or nothing. It's just the lamest, corniest, not funniest shit, and these people are going to eat it up. And it's like, are you? how much can you sell your soul before you right. break? Cons- I, mean, very, I couldn't. Um, like, conservative comedy is punching down. Like, how lame is that? Like, I feel you on that shit, man. That's that's the reason that I always tell people, like, I'm not a black comedian. I'm a comedian who is black. Like, I could kill in black rooms, but I don't want to because I'd have to be somebody I'm not. Like, there's a duality to myself that I have to stick true to. Like, I'm from the hood. So I was raised in that area. I was raised and have done all those things, but they're not the dominating part of my personality. Like, right. I fucking hung out and shot dice in the fucking projects. I've also walked through the halls of the Louvre in Paris. That's something mm. I like more about myself Naughty than the dog. dice shooting. <laughs> so, like, I ain't got no jokes about my fucking baby mom and I. Like, I don't got no fucking baby mom. How about that? Didn't they? <laughs> you know what I mean? What? I can't... 
I'm not the type of person that can connect with those people on that level because some, another thing black people don't realize about themselves is that they are conservatives. Some of them aren't very they much. They just though. aren't. They just don't like to align themselves with conservatives because conservatives are racist against black people. But uh, black people are homophobic. Uh, black people love church. Everything is Jesus. Like um, hashtag not all blacks. They don't like all this. They 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 look at trans people the same way and like all the difference is they're black and like black people. That's the only difference between black people and conservative whites. And so I can't well, go let's, in the let's black take, rooms well, and do nothing. I, like let's, I said, let's take a I quick minute no to, to pour one out for, for Diamond of Diamond and so Exactly. Like Thank I can't. <laughs> I don't have none of that shit, man. I ain't got. I ain't about to talk about my baby mama. I ain't got no jokes where the punchline is sissy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I just can't do that. I have more to talk about than baby mamas, child support. And shit like that and so I just I can't do that I can't sell my soul to be a black comedian I no. just can't do it and that's and I think it goes back to like I can't go up there and, and talk about something I feel like would be antithetical to me like I right. can't go up there and talk about like being married and living in the suburbs like right. nobody gives a shit I cause, and mainly because I don't give a shit exactly like I have to if I'm going to do this and do my art it's got to be something I'm Interested in or mm-hmm. passionate about exactly, and uh, and I'm not. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not passionate about my life. I do. I love my life. Like right. I, it's I earned. Just, like it's not funny. It's just not for that. You're not looking at that that's through that the lens of what's funny comedy, about this. Right. This is, you're just living that. Right. You know. <laughs> you know the people that do that. You know what happens to them? They get fucking divorced. They do because they're like mocking their yeah. family. And I love my family, and it's important to me. I've always hated that shit. I hate yeah. comedians like my wife, the old battle axe. Like nobody told you to well, get no, fucking married. Only when Norm Macdonald did it. Like, now that was entertaining. Like, but outside like, of Norm Macdonald, marriage sucks. And my wife is like, bro, once you get divorced, like nobody told you to marry that harpy of a woman. <laughs> like I don't want to hear this shit. My son is stupid, and you're his dad. So yeah, guess who else is dumb? It's <laughs> on you. If your if your son is awful, guess what? You're an awful fucking parent. Hey, that's it. Yeah, my I marriage mean, sucks. Like, well, you're terrible. Well, it sounds like this. you're a shitty husband right. like, or a shitty shit, wife. Man. Like, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> marriage is hard work. Being a dad's hard work, but it's good. But it's good work. You know exactly. what I mean? Like. Some shit, as like you said, man. Some something has to stay private. Yeah, you like have to I, keep something that's just for you and not your right. fucking art. Now, my wife, she's like, "Well, this it's funny." I'm like, "It's funny to us. It's not gonna be funny to people who don't know us right. or aren't here." This right is now. this is couples dinner funny, right? And not even then, really. <laughs> I don't like to talk about this. Isn't that. random fucking alcoholics, <laughs> that's drug right. addicts, twenty something, you know, people, twenty something who, people who are gonna go on to have and, a threesome in the alley tonight? They don't want to hear this shit. As Ron Henderson told me the very first night I ever did stand-up comedy, before I went on at the side room at the Stardome Comedy Club. He goes, just remember, you're entertaining drunks. <laughs> and there's never been a truer statement spoken to me about comedy since then. And that's all it is. And drunk, they, they're, they're drinking because they don't want to hear about marriage right. and kids. They're living it, and it's driving them insane. <laughs> that's right. They want that escape, and that's what you got to provide. So as a point out something that's funny about basketball. Right. I'll, I'll, about save, I'll save the, that stuff for my book. <laughs> the old memoir. That's right. Fatherhood, too. <laughs> I'm reclaiming it from Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah, take it. Take it. I'm waiting for his new book, Prisonhood. 
Are <laughs> you gonna get tickets to the tour? No, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's, got, he's got Chris D'Elia opening for him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on who drinks the drinks at the show, there might be other people opening for him. <laughs> hey, oh, there we go. See. Fuck Bill Cosby, man. <laughs> fuck him. Fuck him all the way to hell. Now look, I, I'll admit, do, doing clean material is difficult, and doing three hours of clean material super difficult. Yep. Uh, What's not difficult? Not raping people. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. And then to pretend like you're some sort of icon of... Again, how do you sell your soul like that? Like, I don't understand how you can live with yourself making those kind of, like, moral compromises. Yeah. That just... I. It you know it racks my brain. I can't understand, it. and I'm glad I can't understand that. Exactly. Because if I could understand it, then I could do it, and I don't want to do it. So I'm glad I can't understand. It. You don't want to be the the George Santos of fucking guy. No, but I mean, gee, like, aren't you sort of amazed by that though? Like, the level of like, hats off to you. You're the greatest liar of all time. You lied yourself into Congress. In a way that was once just a movie plot for an Eddie Murphy vehicle. You know what I mean? What, like what I what I'm shocked by by George Santos is that he is so diametrically opposed to telling the truth that he is an openly gay man treating being shown and called a drag queen as some sort of scandal. And, and it's like and that you're, McCarthy you're a man, is so you're desperate. You're a gay man who's wearing a dress. There is nothing controversial about that, but he's he's <laughs> defending it like he's a straight man. He's like this. I remember when they first showed it, and he jumped on Twitter and was like, "This is just an, another in like, a long line of lies like that what's people funny, are trying like, to use <laughs> to tear me down and distract you from me doing a good." And it's just like you're gay. You're expected to have dressed in drag before. Why are you acting like some straight preacher about this? Like, day one, complete denial. <laughs> then, like, three days later, uh, yeah, I did it, but I was just, at the, you know. Right, I was just having fun that one night. That's Don't right. call me a drag. It's like, dude, you're gay. There is nothing controversial about you being Like, even if they queen. throw you out now, you still get that pension and health care for life, which is apparently all you were in for it anyway. And, hats, you know what? Hats off to you yeah, for being... That's it. You know, that's how that's how, the, the way we get to the truth to him is like those uh, riddles about how do you get someone who always lies to tell you the truth. Like this dude has to lie about everything that anybody who's not on his team says. So the way you get this dude to tell you the truth is have a stranger come out and go, yeah. I, I know George Santos. I grew up with George Santos. His name has always been George Santos. That's the only way you're going to get him to go, that is a lie. My name is Anthony DeVolder. It has always been Anthony DeVolder. Like, but where is the, like, where is the, sh- like, where is the shame? None. Like, it, it, it's just, there's nothing. It is a compulsive lie. That, and I, like, with our, our standards as a society have dropped so low. Like, we now have one political party in this country who are just completely okay with moral compromise. It's an absolute clown show. But they're the ones that preach so hard against any sort of Their other moral compromise. Their line is being the moral people. And look, I don't like <laughs> I don't like having a vote for the Democrats, you know what I mean? Exactly. But it's, <laughs> you know, that it's it's a sane thing yeah. and it, it's dealing with these other evils. people. Exactly. I'll take being stabbed over being shot every time. That's what... That's what not being a Republican is in this country. The Democrats ain't shit either. They're 
just the, the, better the, the, than the Republicans. The Democrats are mediocre, <laughs> uh, milk toast, yeah. and but that's all we got protecting us exactly. from these crazies. That's I, I, that's how I always describe it to people. The Republicans' job is to run over you backwards and forwards in the car nonstop. And what the Democrats do is they stop them from hitting you again. They don't get you to a hospital. They're the safety, they don't get you they're the safety patrol. Right, they don't get you paid for being hit. All Their whole thing is to just stop the Republicans from hitting you again for about two to four years. That's it. They don't do anything to help you. Just, hey, he's had enough. And then they just leave you lying in the fucking street. <laughs> Fuck the Republicans it, it, and fuck the Democrats. It all and went don't wrong. Take this to say I'm libertarian. Fuck the libertarians too. Libertarians even worse. Like make a decision. You know, libertarians. Libertarians are just want to be uh, all the benefits of being a Republican, but not being called a Republican. Yeah, that's it. You know, they want, and they also want all the benefits of society while without pain while into wanting it. it to be anarchy. That's right. Just like you can't put your rules on me. It's like, well, that's the only way you get to have a house and paved roads. Like you can't. Have it both ways. Yeah, I love how everyone's <laughs> against socialism. I'm like, but everyone's for roads and schools and police. Right. And, well, maybe not police, but uh, you know, other things. Society provides. Like you can't look. Nobody loves a game, but you're in the game, so you better play it. You, got you know to. what I mean? If you don't want to play the game, all you can do is move out into the middle of the fucking woods and not bother nobody. If you're not gonna do that, you're in it. But that's what these people used to do. They used to go out in the woods and exactly. not bother, and it was fine. But now they all talk to each other on the internet. <laughs> And they just bring out more crazy from each other. And then they're like, you got these, like, fat-ass quasi-revolutionaries who try to storm Congress, and which was the most embarrassing spectacle of all time. In the history of America. That's right. It's the lowest point of America. But I feel like we've yet to, we will sink lower. That's, let me say, it was the lowest point in American history so far. Yeah, I think it was like, it's like, it's the lowest singular point. That's right. But the the effects well, look, of that have, will continue to ripple. To be fair, there have been some other low points yeah, in American history. It's the lowest. <laughs> but this one was a that truly was thing repugnant ever. display. Well, it's been due for a long time. The worst and best thing that happened to this country was the pandemic. Because it caused all our chickens to just come on home to roost all at the same goddamn time. And it, and it revealed people's <laughs> true colors. You know what I mean? Like It you, showed you how many normal-seeming people you've are been around fucking who nuts. are so dumb and so crazy. <laughs> it taught me that. Here's what else it taught me. Uh, not all doctors are smart, which was something I thought prior to the pandemic. At the very minimum. And now here's what I've realized. <laughs> Uh, you know how you see in those commercials, like nine out of ten doctors recommend. Don't listen to that one doctor. That one doctor. That one doctor is going to tell you that uh, you got to uh, sunbathe your nuts <laughs> and you know take horse tranquilizer and all that shit. And like, how did you get through medical school? But you know what? Somebody's got to finish last in medical school class. You know what I mean? But somebody I don't have to fucking go to. Somebody got a sixty-five. That's right. I'm not going to that guy. You know, I'm going to listen to the nine out of ten. You know. Oh yeah. And these these insane and like those are those private practice people whose office looks like a modern day witch doctor's hut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's a small town practicing by it's just them and a ninety year old secretary, and the shit looks like a head shop threw up in a medical supply store. <laughs> you know, look, I, I'm a man of faith, but you know, 
at a certain point, uh, you know, faith is faith and science is science. And, you know, I'm going to lean towards science when right. it comes to, you know, I'm not a Christian scientist. You know? Meaning I don't think you can, you know, pray away a broken leg. Yeah, I think, you know God's, got, I mean? I think I mean? God's got bigger fish to fry. No, he's trying, he's, he's trying to keep all our molecules together, all right? I can't do that, but he can, all right? So I don't have to worry about keeping my molecules together. Yeah, he's going to trust me to go get my legs set if I break it, all right? That's how it works, you yeah. know? Which, is a, which you know, that, that getting sick thing is another one of those times where black people reveal themselves to be just like crazy conservative rednecks. Can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody sick... <laughs> Or have been shot twenty times, or is it some bad car wreck? And everybody's on there like the the doctors said he's got two hours to live, and his head is completely separated from his body. They're like the doctors don't know. God knows. It's like I think doctors can tell you a lot more about severed heads than the Lord. You're going to know God real soon (laughs) if you don't go to the doctor. Don't nobody care what the doctors say. God got this. I think I think the doctors have got the the handle on. I mean, I got I got good insurance. I go to the doctor all the time. Like I I spent like decades with no insurance. Now that I got it, like I scrape my toe. I'm going to the doctor. You making up for it? Like I need a band aid. Hell yeah. I'm, look, I'm paying handsomely for it, right. so I, bet, I may as well take advantage. Of it. I got a hangnail. Can you sit me in front of this person with the gunshot in the emergency room? <laughs> look, here's another thing. I'm not going to an emergency room unless I have to. You know what I mean? <coughs> Goodness. It just, it just, like the curtain got pulled back on America. Man. And if you didn't think it was a shit show before, you better know it now. Like, I've been reading this book called Fantasyland. And uh, I think uh, Kurt Anderson is the author. And it is the most revealing book I've ever read about America. We have been this way since the start. And uh, it's all about who sells you the most bullshit. Yeah. And it's fat. Like, this this should be a textbook. This should be required reading in all schools. (laughs) But they don't because you either believe in the fantasy and you're okay just checking your brain at the door or you believe. You believe in the reality. Like, America is a good country, but it's fucked up, too. There. And it has a lot of things that could be better. And saying that doesn't mean you hate your country. Yeah. Saying things could be better means you love your country and you want it to be better. Exactly. But just, you know, sticking your fingers in your ear and going, la, 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 no, it's perfect the way it is. Don't you dare try to change anything. It's fucking stupid. Uh, uh, nobody says that but people who don't care. Exactly. Because that will require them to put some skin in the game. Oh, yeah. And that's what, you know, it takes... That's what it is. All the people who are sitting on the, fuck, not even the sidelines, all the people who are sitting in the stands just watching this shit, who are completely unaffected by anything going on in the game, those are the people who are like, America's perfect, uh, don't change a thing. And it's like, you say that because you don't give a fuck. Yeah. You because you, you ha- you're because doing you, nothing nothing. You don't love, you're not a patriot, you don't love your country because yeah. you don't do anything. <laughs> you don't do anything to change it, you don't do anything except consume. I swear, I was, I don't even remember where I was, but it was before Christmas, and they had these, like, bins, but I was just going to get, like, a dinosaur toy for my son. I was obsessed with dinosaurs. And they just had these, like, bins of stuff put out, and I swear to you, Narado, it sounded like insects feeding. Just, <laughs> it was, I, I had to leave, like, it was disgusting. It was consumerism at its most raw and violent. People were shoving each other to get to these 
bins of just crap. Like, I don't even know what was in it. it was but like, it could have been. this has been marked down to 50 cents. Get your hands off my stuff. Basically. <laughs> and I'm just like, is this what we've come to? And like, I, like I'm, I'm on out. Like, I don't want any part of this. I'm going to go to Costa Rica and open a tiki bar. Like, I'm done with all this. Tiki Vandaway's Tiki Idaway. <laughs> tiki Maike. That's my new name. You come down to Tiki Maike's in San Jose, Costa Rica. And I'm going to go somewhere like no one would ever think to find me. If I ever leave, like, it's going to be like French Guiana or some weird place. Like, uh, you know, where all the Nazis went in Argentina. I don't know. Somewhere no one would think to look for me. It's not going to be anywhere in the state to that much. Yeah, now, see, these are things I could talk about on stage, right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can do that. I say do it. There you go. Well, I say you go for it. <coughs> now, when you come back to stand up, are you also going to come back to improv, or is that just where you experience where you go through a phase? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I. Because you were leading the church. Something that a lot of people probably don't know who aren't involved in the comedy scene is that so, so. stand-up comedians and improv comedians have a vicious rivalry. And stand, but like, do we really, if you Like, the people who don't participate in both, the people on the outside of that, there's a lot mm. of people... There's a lot of stand-up people who hate improv and vice versa, and you used to lead the charge. Well, it's because, it's because some of those people were such dicks against and other words. improv, and then you started doing improv, and I couldn't believe it. Well, you know, sometimes you have to. You have it, to it see what's like, going on. It was like seeing Aaron Rodgers in a Chicago <laughs> Bears uniform. That's right. It was just like. Mike's doing what? Well, I feel like Aaron's having that same problem I had after that open mic. Now, after all the hallucinogens he's taken, he's he's like, "What am well, I? What am I in his brain? Throwing this pig around? What's that? You know, just it's he's losing it." But yeah, like how? Like how do you? I don't know. I guess I just how you did that. You no, know, at the time, I think I was dating somebody that was in the theater world. Well, okay, for a girl, not for a girl, but I was in. A, you know, I thought maybe that would be something interesting you know and and look i did take away some good things that improve my stand-up mm-hmm. like you learn how to like work on a stage which mm-hmm. is not because i never was in plays or any of that shit i don't All know right. you know i didn't know my state's you know quote-unquote stagecraft so you learn how to like <laughs> like be on stage and project your voice and all that and, and the good thing about it, it made me like prior to that like if there was ever silence and a set of comedy, I freaked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was always going for the laugh. And that told me I, I can sort of sit back in the pocket and sort of allow myself to kind of riff right. on stage, which is not something I had really done a lot prior to that. Right. And, um, and, and in that way, in those ways, I think it improved my stand-up. But they're two very, very, very different animals. <laughs> Scott Gordon now. Scotty G is and doing the hell out of some improv. Basically, he took my place in that improv. Game. <laughs> it was the first to go when I, you know, when I had to drop, you know, find some time when my wife was pregnant. Um, and stand up was the last to go, so I guess that'll tell you how I feel. So when he comes back, well, the wife keeps trying to, you know, maybe tomorrow night. <laughs> at, uh, Monday seemed to be a good night. I don't, I, but I don't know. Like I don't know anybody anymore in the scene. Uh, all I know is Chris Ivy starts a hundred shows, and he and Wes just do shows now. I don't know anybody that runs mics. I don't know. 
any of the younger comedians. And I never wanted to be like the old guy in the back of the room, but I would be now, and I guess that's okay. The old type, the hobbyist, like the hobby guy. Not a hobbyist. Look, I still have like comedic well, goals you, I would like but to do. Like now, like if you were to show up now, like you said, you don't know anything, so you just you look like the old guy in the back. You didn't want to ever want to be like, yeah, like a hobbyist. Like this dude has been doing stand up like twenty years. He's he just kind of drops in open mics and doesn't do anything else. Right, and I, if I don't want to do that, I didn't like doing open mics when I was running an open mic. You know, if I'm going to get into it again, I want to do it for a reason. Like, I want to have a goal that I'm trying to reach. Like, I never, you know, I did it for gosh since 2003. I never put out a record. That's 20 years. Then. I never put out a record. You put out a special oh. that was like had like 30 minutes of I, screen blank. Look, I, I filmed something that didn't go well. <laughs> And you know what I did? I fucking kept that shit to myself and did not subject the world to it. Too many people don't do that. They they decide they want to, you know, put out six records and they have only been doing comedy for three years. And, like, I'm not going to do that, but I would like to have something left behind for all this time I've invested that showed, hey, I did it and I was pretty good at it. Well, you're going to have this episode of the podcast. Well, that's, this could be, this could be it's my swan song. live forever. <laughs> that's, that's right. 50 years from now. 50 years from people now. People will be able to hear... Mike McCall doing when when the AI is taken over (laughs) and they are going through old podcasts to assemble new comedy for the humans who have lost their creativity. um, They'll go through this and pull out some of this, maybe. That's how it'll go. Um, There's some, you know, I want to do something. I still like before I'm 50, I'd like to write and make a movie, you know, I think that'd be fun. You know? What are you waiting on? We've got everything at our fingertips now. I know. If you've got a cell phone, you can make a movie. That's right. It's <laughs> waiting for the right story, Narada. Let's figure out what this story is right now. How about this? A, a, a man. A middle aged comedian. A middle aged comedian. We we get the Marvel de aging <laughs> technology, right? That's, that's right. So we can shoot all these scenes <laughs> of me on hallucinogens. We get that's a right. middle aged comedian. He drops acid, he makes acids and shrooms. Goes to a Bass Pro Shop, falls into the tank, and emerges a la Martin Lawrence in Black Knight in a past life of his as a black man in Jamaica. I don't think it counts as blackface if we put it on you digitally. (laughs) You know, I'm going to have to say you're the expert on that. uh... (laughs) We just digitally make you black. But it's still my regular voice. I'm not changing it to a patois, yeah, it's still, right? It's okay. Still, you're, you're doing I'm still sounding just like I am right now. You're doing patois, but it is your voice. <laughs> oh, no. You're doing it. You're Chet Hanks. You're doing the patois. Oh, what happened? What happened there, right? We digitally make you black. Happened, and yeah. you successfully lead a slave rebellion in... 1400s Kingston, Jamaica. Like, successfully lead it or squash it? No, you successfully <laughs> oh, okay. lead it. Okay. Because, as we talked earlier, that's the reason. So, Simon Bolivar. You're, in, you're in Jamaican hell now. So, this is how you that's get right. back to present day and you become Usain Bolt. If you go back in time, your true self, you go back in time right. as a middle aged white suburban dad. Maybe not Usain Bolt. Maybe maybe one of those guys from Cool Run. <laughs> oh, you come back as Doris. <laughs> He's not the one with the egg, right? I don't want to be that guy. What was that guy's name? Yeah, the actor. He was hot for like a minute. Malik Yoba? Yeah, I mean, like in the early 90s or something, he was, he was in some stuff, but then you never saw him again. Which one had the egg? Was it the one with the dreadlocks or the, the 
Are you talking about Dougie Doug? There you go. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Dougie Doug, who I constantly uh, confuse with Dougie Fresh and various other Dougies. <laughs> like, I don't. Heart's hard for me to follow. Yeah. Hip hop master beatboxer Dougie Doug. <laughs> I get a lot confused as a white guy. I'll be honest with you. I that might be the problem the with my people is confusion, <laughs> clearly. I think that's the movie. I think that's it. Well, you know, I think we're going to have a hard time pitching that and selling it. But Tubi will take anything. Tubi is the people's champ. If you don't, don't, Tubi is a lot like my DVD collection, actually, which I still have because you know, one day the internet's going to collapse, and who's going to have all the movies? This guy. Like if you take a a VHS recording of you doing an Easter play in 1987, Tubi will buy it. And put that shit on. Maybe I should, maybe I should take that old special and send it to there TV. you go. People would be like, "Hey, there's thirty. The screen went blank for thirty five minutes, but they were still talking. What right. happened? I could hear the jokes. Boy, this guy really doesn't like George W. Bush. <laughs> He's really giving this Dick Cheney fellow the business. Yes, that's it. We put Tubi. Are you listening? That's a Tubi exclusive. Tubi will give it to you. I don't, here's how here's how lame you know know what the title of it was. You want to hear how lame this was? What? Weapons of mass distraction. Oh, I want to vomit. Like anytime I hear old material, I like I'm I'm so like I ran into somebody who like used to come when I like first started doing comedy to shows. I just like man, I'm sorry. Like I was really bad for like twelve years. Like I'm sorry to anyone that was subjected to any of that. I wasn't really good until like the last few years I was doing it. You know. Sorry, everybody. That was there. Tell everybody, oh, you got another movie you can put on Tubi. <laughs> Your boxing documentary. Well, I gotta get some, there's some music rights uh, lined up in that. I don't want to, it's out there. If you want, <coughs> you can see it now on YouTube. If, if you just Google uh, Michael McCall and Good Fight <laughs> in, t- in two parts. That was I it, the Good Fight. <laughs> That's right. Although the funniest person in it's not me, it's, it's my father. <laughs> and I, I can't bring myself to watch anymore. It's still, it'd be too painful. Lost my dad about a year and a half ago. So, But uh, he's, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Oh, he's so good at it. Tell, uh, tell if, everybody if I, about if, your boxing documentary. If I'm funny at all, it's because of him. <laughs> well, this is the stupidest story. Uh, but I guess that's what this podcast is. Uh, so years ago, uh, I was watching the amateur uh, boxing uh, matches at Bell Bottoms. Hey, Bell Bottoms nightclub, baby. Who wants to fight? Get in this ring. That's right. And there was this uh, guy who was a bouncer down at the music hall. It was he like was... In, in, the, in the country parts of the South, people's bars have the the mechanical bull you can ride. In the city five parts of the South, you can just box in the motherfuckers. That's right. <laughs> Completely unsanctioned. <laughs> Yet sanctioned. <laughs> You know, just so anyway, this guy. It's like this, amateur night at a strip club, except it's boxing. That's right. So this bouncer was like flapping his gums, 
saying how everyone he would do this, but he was so such a badass, no one would step. And I'm like, dude, I'll 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 fight you. I'm not afraid of you. How old are you at the time, Mike? Oh, what was this? 2003. So, <laughs> what was I mean, it? Just, just carry the one. Hold on. <laughs> It's 20 years ago, so yeah, 26. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just filled with piss and vinegar. <laughs> well, I just don't like I don't like people that flap their gums. You know what I mean? Like here, and I talk, I was talking with my brother not too long ago about this. There are a lot of people in this world you can tell have never been punched in the fucking mouth, and it yeah. shows yeah. because they run their fucking mouth too much. <laughs> and look, I run my mouth a lot, but I've also got punched a lot. All right, so I've earned the right to run my fucking mouth. <laughs> So anyway, so I'm like, you give me six weeks to train, and I'll come back here and fight you. And then I promptly forgot about it for five and a half weeks. <laughs> and then he called me like a week before, and I was like, ah, shit, I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> so I called a friend of mine who was like in this film class at Samford, and I'm like, hey, I need you to film some stuff. I'm like, we may as well make something funny out of this, you know? And so got him to film my quote-unquote training, which was that afternoon where we were filming it. <laughs> so, I went up, and the funny thing is, like, and you'll watch, like, this guy was trying to help me was like an MMA fighter, and he was like, look, just go in there and don't throw a punch during the whole first round and just freak him out. <laughs> so that was my... <laughs> that was your strategy? That was my strategy going into that, and after about ten straight punches into the face, I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to go fucking <laughs> He forgot to mention that you should also defend yourself. Don't just stand there. Don't just stand there and get hit. Right. Defend yourself. (laughs) So the first round looks pretty brutal if you're watching this online. And it was. It hurt a lot. It hurts a lot to get hit. No lie. Uh, But I survived that round, and then I'm like, well, I'm abandoning whatever this guy told me. And I'm just going to try to do my best here, you know. And I did. Look, it was only three rounds, and I made it through all three rounds, and... It was a controversial decision there at the end. We, You'll have, we don't want to give it away we won't, give, we won't give it away, but let's just say I retired with a perfect record. It went to the judges. <laughs> That's true. I could put that on Tubi, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah. That I'm going to have to edit both parts into one and then somehow contact the Scottish band Mogwai and get the uh, music rights. Or just sell them both of them and then you got a sequel. There you go. It's like Avengers in. Or maybe they put it up in, in all the nickels go to Mogwai. I don't know how this works. I'm not a... Yeah, 50, 50 not, split of the thousand bucks. Right. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how this works. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you keeping up with basketball right now? How are your beloved Hawks doing? My beloved Birmingham squadron are terrible this season. <laughs> and now that we have all the major sports in Birmingham, I'm I'm a Birmingham sports fan. <laughs> so I've I've been trying to follow the Pelicans since, since the squad is the their squadron their G League their affiliate. G League affiliate. But uh, I can't watch them because Bally Sports isn't available on any. <laughs> so I really don't watch too much basketball to be honest. I watch watch a little Auburn basketball. And some UAB games, but they've been blowing it lately. <laughs> uh, back on the Bulls, damn, the, 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 oh, damn and I'm down Bulls. in Pelham. They're like, I'm literally like a mile and a half from where the Birmingham Bulls play. Uh, so I've been taking my son to the hockey game, and uh, so the, I get to watch about ten minutes of hockey game, and then it's the rest of the time I'm just feeding him, or he's freaking out because 
someone sliced a jugular and there's blood all over the ice. And I'm having to explain to them how, you know, anyway. It's not as much fun as you might think. But of course, our stallions are the defending the USFL, USFL champions. USFL champs, baby. Shout out to the Birmingham stallions. Coach Holtz is going to, I think, back-to-back in season two. Yeah, undefeated. And, of course, always the Barons. So, and, and, and the Birmingham Legion. I like the Birmingham Legion. Yeah. The soccer team. So, yeah, it's it's good. I don't I don't keep it. Trey Young's still with the Hawks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still holding it down in Atlanta. <laughs> I, still, I still watch the Celtics every now and then. What was the, what was the last time you went on the road and did stand-up? Oh, jeez. That's a good question. It would have been pre-pandemic. <laughs> yes, of course. I, I mean, um, honestly. Uh, Probably Tuscaloosa or someplace like that. I mean... What was the worst show you've ever part of? No. <laughs> early on, early on, probably first year or two, I was doing comedy. some reason, we got booked at a black club in Gunnersville, Alabama. I, I wouldn't even expect them to have a black club in <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. So... Super King, That's got, the Super best King joke of the night. <laughs> Super King got us the gig. Well, of course he did. So it's me, Russell Larratt, and Super King. And we go up there, and of course they've done no promotion. And no one is there. So we wait there for like two hours, and we're like, well, you know, we're just going to leave. And the guy goes, well, I'm not paying you unless you perform. And I'm like, well, there's no one here. And he's like, well, I'm not paying you unless you perform. So he gets out his Spanish-speaking kitchen staff to sit on the front row and makes us perform so we can get gas money to get back to town. <laughs> that was the worst comedy show ever. <laughs> or the one that sticks out in my head. But I did my set, and I got paid. So. How long did you do? <laughs> had to do like 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and let me tell you something. At that time, I did not have 20 minutes in the church. Fortunately, the people couldn't understand what I was saying anyway. So. <laughs> now, it just just came up in the Facebook uh, timeline. Of, what was it, thirteen or no, eleven years ago when we went up to Chicago to do those shows? Oh man! Now that was a that was a good time. Twelve years now. Is it twelve? Yeah, doing snow again. <laughs> I remember getting caught in the ice storm there in Seymour, Indiana. It's fucking Seymour. And you and Martin were like little babies out on the ice, and I'm like a figure skater with my with my luggage. Just hey, you guys okay? Yeah, we stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Although Martin wanted us to stay at a murder motel, I'm like, you know what, fellas, I'll spring for the Holiday Inn. It was like it was like the Knights Court. <laughs> It was right next door, and that shit like doors like a were off field. the hinges. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I, mean, I will pay to see, put it us was, up here in the yeah. Holiday Inn. It was like in a cartoon where there's like a fork in the road, and then down one road, it's like all black, no leaves on the trees, wolves are howling, and then the other side looks like Hawaii. That's right. Like that was I'm gonna the go, difference. I'm going to go with Hawaii. I mean, what was? What? <laughs> I remember trying to get up to Chicago. You know, they reopened the roads, and I think I had to take a shit out of... Yeah, you took a shit at a rest stop. At a rest stop, and, 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 and the, I, the, in wa- the toilet was frozen. Yes, in Lebanon, Indiana. That's right. 
and uh, like my hot steamy shit was on top of the frozen water. <laughs> I look, I'm from Alabama. I'm not used to that kind of stuff. <laughs> Another thing that stands when we got there, that you, you kept putting sandwich bags over. <laughs> okay, so listen, people. over your socks. Listen, people. <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> I was prepared for regular winter. None of us had any clue that no. Snowmageddon was coming. Alabama winter to, is not like Illinois winter. To fucking drop 30 feet of snow on every part of America, so much so that it shut down all the airports in the country. Like, Snowmageddon was bad, and our asses were in fucking Chicago. Found out very quickly why they called it the Windy City. That's right. It was like negative 23 degrees the whole week. <laughs> the wind would not stop blowing. It was two puffs of a cigarette and back inside cold. <laughs> so, I made the mistake of bringing pretty much just Chuck Taylors on the trip. I had like six <laughs> pairs of Chucks with me. And, you know, it was slush everywhere. It was snow everywhere. So, I came up with the plan to I would put on two pairs of socks. Because just wearing Chucks is just not going to cut it in that weather. <laughs> They're canvas. So I put on two pair of socks and then I wrapped my feet in saran wrap and then put the chucks on. I also went through all my week's worth of clothes in two days because I had to layer up. Like I was, I was straight up, like I brought all this different shit and like literally in the first two days, my outfit was like two pairs of socks, saran wrap, chucks, uh, a pair of long johns, sweatpants, pajama pants, and then some jeans. Like four t-shirts, a fucking polo, uh, a track coat, and then a coat on top of that. It was fucking insane. Yeah. And the saran wrap was formed so perfectly. I, w- I could take it off like boots. It, looked, it was perfectly foot formed. And it would just sit I mean, it like worked. I'm not, I'm, I can't fault you for it. It you worked. You made it just, best it just... friends with a cat. Uh... <laughs> he had a cat friend named Chef. That we slept on this girl's living room floor. And the well, I cat still don't fell know how with Martin Mike. knew that girl <laughs> or what their relationship was. That and that cat fell in love with Mike, and Mike fell in love with that cat. That is absolutely not true. It was always laying on his chest. <laughs> when we were you know, you know how many cats I have now? Two. <laughs> of course you do. My, my wife comes. She came out from like the shelter, and she's holding like two of them. She had that. Set, like if I said no, there's no. I'm not surviving that. <laughs> So I had to say yes. So now I have two cats, uh, two two hermit crabs, <laughs> and a dying lizard. Yeah, he's, a dying He's not lizard. doing well. He's, is he turning white? <laughs> yes. His head, oh, is that a bad sign? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and well, look, I've buried so he's many got, animals already. Cancer. It's like... Uh, you can say you're going to start your own personal pet cemetery. I say it's like a pet cemetery. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to the Ramones. Because I, too, don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. <laughs> yeah, see, I knew you loved that cat. You tried to deny it so many times. Like, I will put up with. Like, I'm, I'm just not an animal guy. Like, I didn't grow up an animal. Someone, and my wife thinks it was my mother, but someone told me at a very impressionable young age that animals carry disease. So I'm like, well, fuck that. I don't want disease. That sounds terrible. So I was afraid of that, and I was also afraid that you could catch deformity just by looking at a deformed person or touching a picture of a deformed person. 
So speaking of stories, I can remember in third grade. We like went, the picture of Dory Gray. We went to. <laughs> you keep a picture of the elephant man. Like a picture of the elephant man, now. right? So the elephant man movie horrified me, as you could imagine, uh, and it was always on cable back then too. Uh, so in like third, I, I'm not, and and them all. It's like where's his trunk? Why does he doesn't look like any sort of fucking elephant I've ever seen? Uh, it's a mean ass name. Anyway, they should have called him the Tumor Man. I mean, it probably would have been less memorable, but more accurate. Uh, it's the Face Tumor Man. He just see. It would be too sad, I guess. I see. I guess I can kind of see why they went with elephant, but also still mean, you know. Anyway. So in third grade, we, when I was at Grace Christian Elementary School in Center Point, Alabama, we went on a field trip to a nursing home to sing them Christmas carols. <laughs> <laughs> lifted those spirits. <laughs> lifted, lifted. Yeah, if I'm ever dying in a nursing home, I'm not sure like children singing to me is going to help. But, yeah, I, need, um, I need a twelve-year-old to come here and sing Jingle Bells. So we're there. We're not there. Five minutes. Some guy rolls up to me in a wheelchair. I don't, I don't know what the word is, but they used to be called water babies, with like the giant heads. I'm sure there's a science word for it. Like I don't Billy know. Billy Quizboy from Venture Bros. Yes. And he's like in a wheelchair. And he runs up to me and he goes zap and shot. <laughs> I swear, I thought my head was gonna like turn that that night, like turn that. Way. <laughs> Fucking horrified. He mustered the last bit of his superpowers up. He just made a shoot lightning from his hand. That was just down the static shot. Like, who fucking does that? <laughs> and I'm already freaked out about deforming. And then that happens? Come on. I never had a chance. I never had a chance. With animals or deformity. Sorry. I'm sorry if you suffer from that or you know somebody. I do not mean to be disrespectful. But it freaked me the fuck out. All these experience, all these stories, and we're all—that's all we are in the end—is stories, right? <laughs> these are what shape us as human beings. These experiences. Oh my God! No Zap. And it shot. I mean, it did because what kind of special chair he had? But it shocked the fuck out of me in more ways than one. Oh my God! Suffice it to say, I didn't sing too well. During the performance, I had other stuff going on in my room. Oh. oh god! I think that's as good a one to end on as any. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Mike. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I'm glad we could do this outdoors in the wet and cold. By the way, we could have done this at my house. I don't know. Why. Other than being interrupted every few minutes by a five-year-old. And exactly. You can't talk this freely with the wife and kids around. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> we can't do that at your house. Make sure she's not tagged in anything. Like, I, I will take this show to people's houses, but I wasn't coming to your house. There's no way. Well, you've been to my house, though. Gonna, not to say you've never been to my we house. We couldn't have this conversation with them around. <laughs> no, there are certain things. Uh, you know, I, I was worried, you know, about 
how I will talk to my son when he's an adolescent, you know, tell him that stories such as we've discussed tonight. And I was talking to a, a, a priest I know, and he goes, you know, you don't have to tell him everything. So let's hope he never finds this podcast. <laughs> I will make sure I send it on his 14th birthday. <laughs> That and all the kamikaze radios we recorded together. <laughs> I've got a like. This is who your dad really is. I'm gonna give Sebastian a Bob Mitzvah, and on his 13th, you're a man now. Listen to this. <laughs> Let me show you your dad really is. He does go to a Jewish day school. See, he gets it. He gets it. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Acid mushrooms. <laughs> See, he goes to he, now. Now that I know he goes to a Jewish day school, then that means that when he becomes a man, you can tell him all about your experience. Oh, no. your Don't experience. worry, he's, he's going to Catholic kindergarten in the fall. Your so. experience with the Jews, We're, one one particular Jew. In- <laughs> no, I don't think that was a Jewish nursing home we went to, but it was also in Centerpoint. Oh not, no, I'm not talking about that man. Oh. I'm talking about uh, a young lady with whom you had a dalliance. Who was described as quote Jewy in the face? See, I don't even remember. Got to refresh my memory off, off podcast. There's a lot in my life that is uh, fuzzy, <laughs> hazy. The bells are tolling. I have to, I have to get back. For whom the bells toll? Well, Mike, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for the friendship. And the mentorship, it's well, been a fun fucking, it's been 14 years, man. Hard to believe. Seems like you just <laughs> strolled up fresh from the fresh from the line at O'Charlie's <laughs> to go up on stage, support your man, Zach Carradine. And E. Johnson, baby. Big E. Big E. Wow. Now that's Coach... Uh, Coach Wesley. Coach, yeah, Coach Wesley right. on Facebook. You know, he, Look him he up. found his... Maybe, maybe I need to do a, a character like that. Well, yeah, you, Father Mike. <laughs> I don't want to cost my day job. Yet. Naughty, I don't want to have to live. Naughty priest. I don't want to have to live off entirely off comedy. <laughs> that would not be good for me yet. Oh man! Well, tell, tell the people where they can find Father Mike online. <laughs> you can find me uh, on Instagram at Magic City Saint. You can find me still on Twitter, watching the collapse of the website from within. It's fun. Uh, at J. Michael McCall, and you can find me on Facebook. I'm on all the old people social medias. Uh, Facebook yeah. at the Michael McCall. Check about MySpace, uh, Friendster, College Club, <laughs> AOL, <laughs> stealing AOL chat rooms. That's, that's right. Uh, the Sierra Network. Just you, just you and the one pedophile who woke up from a 30 year coma. <laughs> uh, if you're on Prodigy, I'm on there. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can man. find me on CompuServe yeah. and uh, <laughs> on any uh, 2400 uh, bald modem uh, bulletin boards right. in the area. Get Crank up those compact brasarios, baby, and check out J. Michael McCall's online on your dial-up. <laughs> That's right. If you're jonesing for all the hits of 1983, find me online. <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you laughed. I hope you smiled. I hope you learned something. Hope it put you in a good mood. Or if you're already in a good mood, I hope it put you in a better mood. Um, 
had a lot of fun. Big shout out to all my guests and telling some great stories. It's a real good time, man. Anyway, uh, you know, check back in with us soon. We'll have an all-new episode going. I want you to know I love you, and I, I hope you love yourself and, and love everybody else. The number to the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The number to the Trans Lifeline is 1-877-565-8860. Hit them up if you, if you need to talk about some things or something's troubling you. Hell, hit me up. I don't really sleep until the sun comes up like a vampire. So hit your boy up, man. If you got my number, call me You know when you need to talk. Text me. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Hit me up on Instagram. Whatever. You can email me at rodforshort at gmail.com. And if you, you're feeling generous, hit your boy with a donation on the Cash App. That's Cash Tag. Dollar sign. Rod for short. R-O-D. Number four. S-H-O-R-T. Hit me up on Venmo. at Norado Moore. And um, I think that'll do it, man. I'll let you. <laughs>